Well, I know you're expecting a word from the Lord, a timely word from the Lord, and I believe he has one for us. So turn your faith dial on. Wow, what a wild week. (laughs) Wild two weeks, right? All right, this morning I am going to have a, um, instead of the answer and question session that we have, or that we've just started recently, I came up with some questions that I want to answer this morning. And some of those questions are going to have to do with why you're here this morning, why I'm here this morning. Some of those questions have to do with the importance of the hour that we live in, okay? And I want to put, say this before we go any further, that you're not going to hear me um, be judgmental or critical of any one of our people that are not here with us this morning, or of any church that has closed its doors. Okay, I cannot answer for other churches why they did what they did. I mean, I have to trust that they're doing what they believe the Lord is directing them to do. And so since I don't answer for them, I'm going to have to answer for me and, and for this house. And so rather than... Um, sit here and be concerned about those that aren't here or churches that are closed, what I want to answer uh, very vigorously is why we are open. Okay? Why we are still here. And if, if the Lord leads you a different way, I'm not going to criticize you for that. All right? One of the... Uh, well, let me start with this. On Friday... I went and sat down with two of our representatives, state representatives here, and um, representative for Landisville, and then my personal representative in East Earl, where I live, and I had a conversation with both of them. They were both, of course, um, very concerned about our current situations, very concerned about um, the state of where, where everything, all the unknowns, right, that we face. And um, they were also very concerned at some of the liberties that Governor Wolf has been taking with the closures, and, and they believe, as well as many in the other, uh, many in the house also believe that he is taking liberties that do not belong to him. And so on Monday they're going to be having conversations about that and exactly what is permitted and what isn't under the law for him to do. And so, th- so they're looking at that. Um, there's also. Uh, conversation they feel like it is being used, taken political advantage of. And, and the, the hour is being seized to try to put us in a position where taxes must be raised and, and some things like that. And so, I believe, this is what they asked me. They said, would you please be praying for us and, and for those in the house that we would walk in wisdom and we'd make the right decisions? And so we're going to pray for our House representatives, we're going to pray for our senators, we're going to pray for our governors, and we're going to pray for our president and his cabinet and all the people that are around him. And, you know, he lives, our president is in a really difficult situation right now, as are many that are surrounding him. Just put yourself in their shoes for a moment and just, just think naturally for a minute. And you go, okay, well... If we really address this as, a, as a, the closure of things, if we really address it as a political um, ploy as what it seems to be, then, um, and we come out against that, 
then we can be accused of uh, not caring about the people. When really they do care about the people, they care about the economy, right? And that affects you. However, what if we're wrong and what if this really is the big one? And what if, because we refuse to shut things down, um, a whole bunch of people die and that's right before our election? Guess what? You guys were the bad guys. You didn't agree with, with the other side and so, boom, um, you guys are all out of office. You're the reason people died. So they have a lot of pressure, a lot of fear that they're dealing with and sitting and, and examining. So don't be too hard on, on our government leaders for making what maybe you think is the wrong decision. Understand that they are up against some things that you and I aren't facing. De- decisions and repercussions that you and I aren't facing. One of the uh, things that both representatives encouraged me and they said, please tell your people to vote. This is how we deal with problems like this. So at the next election, be sure to get out and vote and, and be a part of the solution that way. And we're going to talk more about this the rest of the morning, but you and I are not called to natural and fear-based thinking. We're called to a higher level, to a different way of thinking, to an unseen realm, and so um, we are going to stay on that plane. Let's take a moment and let's pray and uh, lift up our leaders. Father, I just thank You so much that You're our ever-present help in time of trouble. You said that when we need help, that we can come to Your throne and receive grace and help in that time of trouble. So Father, right now, we're asking You for grace and for help in our house here, for each one of us here, for our leaders of this nation, starting with the very smallest leader with the least amount of influence all the way to the greatest leader, our President Father, that You would give wisdom to each person. Your divine wisdom would come within and upon them and envelop them. Lord, give them understanding of the time and season we're in. Father, I ask right now and we release in the Spirit Your wisdom, Your understanding, their ability to know things they cannot know in the natural, Lord. I thank You for doing this. I thank You, Father, that You you put people around our leaders that are full of Your Spirit, full of Your words, full of Your life, Lord, and that they would be wise counsel in our leaders' ears, in in our representatives' and senators' ears, in our governors' ears, in our judges' ears, in our president and congressmen's ears. Lord, give them eyes to see. Give them ears to hear and recognize solutions and the courage to act upon those solutions. I thank You for this. Father, I thank You that You expose to them the the realness of the spirit they are up against, the fear that they are up against, and that You would give them on the inside that unshakable, undeniable awareness of Your presence and, and that You would give them courage in Jesus' name and Amen. John, would you put um, Psalms 91 up on the board? And This morning, let's read it together. We did this last week. I want to do it again. Um, put it up in maybe the... Uh, let's do the NIV this week. I like to read Scripture in different translations because sometimes it says it a little differently and it opens it up to your understanding a little bit when you're used to hearing it in maybe one translation. And suddenly you hear it in another translation you go, oh, yeah. So uh, 
Let's start with verse 1, and we're just going to read it together. Let's all, all look up to the screen so that we're reading, the, uh, reading in unison with each other. And let's read. Whoever dwells in the shadow of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fouler snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Hallelujah. Faith rises up in you at the reading of the Word, at the hearing of the Word. Faith rises up in you. Make sure you're putting more faith material in you than doubt material in you. you know, we're surrounded by that right now. All you have to do is turn on the news or pull up your phone, look at the news. It's just full of doubt and fear news, right? But this, this, the text of heaven causes faith to well up inside of you so that you can go into the lion's den, into the viper pit, and not fear any evil. I mean, in the shadow of imminent death, and not fear any evil. Hallelujah. I had, uh, last Sunday night, Jen and I were sitting in a restaurant. Amazing. We were the only ones in the entire restaurant. They told us we were their only ones the whole evening. And so it was like all the wait staff, everyone, it was like we had rented the whole restaurant. <laughs> and they're there to serve us, right? And so, and we tipped them really well because God bless them. And they didn't, you know, they rely on tips. And so this is before they'd closed down where you couldn't go in and sit down in the restaurants. And so um, we're sitting there and <clears throat> we're discussing the morning service of uh, Psalm 23 that we had read and how that even in the shadow of imminent death, and as I say, you know, uh, expecting imminent death, the waiter walks up to the table. And he says, wow, that sounds rosy. <clears throat> I said, oh, it's not as bad as it sounds. We're discussing Psalms, 90, I mean, Psalms 23 and how even in the shadow of imminent death, we don't have to be afraid. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Luke, Luke chapter 10. Before we read there, because maybe we're not going to read there right away, let me, let me answer some questions. Um, 
Here, here's a question. No. First, let me make a statement. Why, why are we at Church of the Word? Why are our, our doors open? We believe that we are created for such a time as this. And so rather than, um, than, than close up and be what seems to me for us would be retreat, we're going to stay in the face of the enemy and be the light on a hill that Jesus talked about. You know, a light on a hill isn't hid. It's, it's, Jesus talked about us being salt and light. Salt is a type of covenant out of the Old Testament. And we have covenant. Salt also affects everything it comes up against. And it's unmistakable. There's salt added to that, right? And so salt has an effect on things. It changes. And he said to be salt and light. Well, light is visible, right? And light put under a bushel. There's another word for that. It's called quarantine. But we are supposed to be the light for everyone to see in the room, out in the open. And so, this is the reason we're, we're still here. Let's, let's go to Mark. Let's start there. Mark chapter 16. And you guys are familiar with the Scripture here in, in Mark 16. You know, we've, we've read it often. We've looked at it often. And more than anything else during this time, my heart is to do several things. It is to honor the Lord. Above anything else, to honor the Lord, to respect the Lord, and to walk in obedience with His heart and His desires. I also desire to honor our government, to honor our leaders, and, and to honor the body of Christ throughout the whole world and our community. And so what I say this morning, you don't, do not hear it as condemnation against someone who has made a different decision. Again, I can't answer why they made the decision that they made. They may face a whole set of circumstances I know nothing about, and were I in their shoes, maybe I would have made the same decision. All I know is the circumstances that at Church of the Word International we are faced with, and so that's what we're going to look at and answer. And um, in Mark 16, Jesus has resurrected he has um, come and he's talking to the disciples. And in verse 15 in the Great Commission in, in Mark 16, he says, then he said to them, to the disciples, he said, go into all the world. So he's given them their directive, their orders, their marching orders. And preach the gospel to the whole creation. Now he did not tell them to go into quarantine. He did not tell them to uh, go hide. He said, go into the world. He knew the world was a dangerous place. He'd given them plenty of warnings. He even said, you're going to have problems in this world, but be of good cheer because, man, I have overcome the world. Did I nearly kick you? <laughs> Verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. It's important that we read that line because what that means is that's not talking about the disciples only. That is talking about all who will believe. That goes down through the ages to you and me and all the way thousands of years past us or till, till the end of time. That could be tomorrow or whenever. I don't think it's going to be tomorrow. If I read the timeline that I understand in Revelations, there's certain things that have to happen, you know, but soon. Let's put it that way. So, these signs are going to follow those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They're going to eject demons. They will forcefully remove, in my name, demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. 
And if they should drink anything deadly, it will never harm them. They will social distance themselves from the sick so they don't get it. Come on. Social distancing goes directly against what the Lord Jesus said. We are not going to lay down here in this house and say, oh, well, we're going to social distance. Think about it. Jesus said, go get touchy-feely with them. Not stay away in case you catch it. Now, you, we, it's our job, we must keep ourselves out of fear. And sometimes when you look at a situation and you go, wow, there's risk there. Um, what should I do? And fear wants to come and, and get into you, the temptation to fear. But you understand that a feeling or a temptation of fear is only that, it's a temptation. The mind that is stayed on Christ, the mind that is stayed on the Father, will be kept in perfect peace. So at the instant you're faced with a temptation of any kind, what do you do? Well, you take that thought captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ and you run right back to the Word and you allow the living Spirit of Christ, the Word, to get on the inside of you and for what's written on the page, read it because you're going to need to know it so that you know the will of the Father and the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you awakens up that Word on the inside of you and it goes from being just a written Word to something alive in you and suddenly what's on the outside of you can't get in but what's on the inside of you can get out as you lay hands on them. Amen. So let's read, uh, read verse 18 again and read it right this time. They will pick up snakes and if they should drink anything deadly, it will never harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. Yeah. Now we're going to stay out of fear. You know, I would not recommend you stay home because of fear. I would not recommend you come to church because of fear. I better go to church or I'm not going to be protected. Or I better go to church because everyone's going to think I'm a backslider if I don't. Now, all that's fear-based, pride-based. We're not going to do either one of those. Whatever you do, do it in faith. You're going to stay home, do it in faith. You're going to come to church, do it in faith. If they should drink anything deadly, it will never harm them. Did you know that you have a 36% chance of dying in your lifetime from ingesting something or breathing something poisonous? 36% chance of dying in your lifetime from breathing something poison in the natural. Yeah, these are all natural statistics that based on what has happened here in the United States. United States, not world. You're, the odds of you dying in a car accident in your lifetime is, is 1 in 63. You guys are a brave bunch for showing up this morning. <laughs> When you start to put some things in perspective, suddenly a coronavirus is like, yeah, those statistics we've been hearing. It doesn't matter whether, uh, you know, malpractice in hospitals kills so many people. Wrong drug dosages that are given kills so many people. I mean, your odds are, are significant from that. And so... Instead of looking at all the things that are dangerous to us, we look to the one that keeps us. The one that defies the odds. The one that gives longevity and long life. And forever I will dwell in the house of the Lord. We sang that this morning. That, that, that means I will live in the house of the Lord for a length of days. He's going to lengthen your days as you're with Him. 
Here's a question. Is it respectful? Now we can go to the book of Luke. Is it respectful to our government after they have expressed their desires for us to not meet in groups larger than ten? Is it respectful to the DC? Is it respectful to President Donald Trump? Is it respectful to Governor Wolf that we go ahead and meet? And I want to answer that with some other questions. Well, first of all, let me say this. As far as churches go, it is not law that they close down. It is merely a suggestion. It is an opinion. In the, in the list that Governor Wolf released, um, churches are very clearly identified at the bottom of the list saying they may remain open. Okay? So, we're not violating any rules. We are going against their recommendation by being here together. I went against their recommendation yesterday outside of uh, the gun store. People were all crowded outside the gun store, and I was like, well, why are they not inside? And they said, well, for health reasons. I said, oh, so you'd rather have them stand in a group and cough on each other out here, huh? Because they're all bunched up by the door, you know. He said, well, it's your choice to be here. Exactly. So, <laughs> there's groups of more than ten everywhere you go, grocery store or wherever. So, why would we trip over and say, oh, well, we're not going to go a place we're permitted to go, actually, again, because of a recommendation. Now, my desire is not to disrespect them. They're doing, I believe, the best they know to do. I mean, m- maybe the wolf has some sinister plans, but I'm saying the rest of them... <laughs> The rest of them, they, I believe, are doing the best they know and and with the information they have. And so, we're not going to be critical of them. Um, What we are going to do, though, is look at our side of things. Let me ask a different question. Before I ask the question, in Romans chapter 13, Paul very clearly writes that we are to submit to our government. And he says that they're ordained by God. Maybe the person isn't ordained. You know, because like Hitler, for example. His office was ordained, but he himself was a rascal. So, just like we would all agree that heads of homes are an ordained position of God. That does not mean that every head of home is operating from that ordained place. There's bad fathers, there's good fathers. Well, in the same way, there's bad government leaders, there's good government leaders. And so, what it says in, Mark, I mean, in, in Romans um, 13 is that we're to submit to our government leaders. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it also says that we're supposed to submit to our government leaders. And, he says, honor all men and honor the king. Now, we don't have a, a, a um, United States king. Okay? We have a president that is very different from a king. We do have a king, the king, right? And so, in the rank of authority and how these things are structured out, who should we submit to when one person's say-so violates another person's say-so and they're all in authority? Let me put the question to you differently. What if President Trump said, no, go ahead and meet in hundreds and for sure go to church, but what if Governor Wolf would say, don't go to church, stay away from it? Who should we listen to? Because you've got two different things being said. You're going to listen to the one that aligns most closely with what Scripture already tells us. Right? It's not about a person. It's about 
submitting to the one. Now part of submitting to the Father is submitting to those who He has placed over us. All right? You cannot say, if, if the person over you is behaving in a godly way and they are requiring things of you that are right and just, and you don't submit to them, you can't say you're submitted to God because you're not submitting to the one God has placed over you. That goes for in this house. You know, the Word says submit to your leaders. Submit to your pastor. That goes for a husband and a wife. That goes for our government leaders. That goes for, I mean, through the whole tier of, of authorities that are given. It doesn't, it's, not, it's not a thing of value. It's just the position of rank. Okay? There is structure of rank in heaven. And there's structure of rank in the earth, in the kingdom of heaven. And so, in saying all of these things, I want to ask a question. Is it possible to disobey the one over you and still be honorable, respectful, and in submission to God? Yes. If I as a husband ask something of my wife, or I as a pastor ask something of you guys that is not right, then you need to stay, or she needs to stay in submission to God. Because that's, it's going to go on up the level till that's where it reaches. And so we're going to submit to God first. And then to institutions of man as they align up with the Lord. Now here's the interesting thing. When Paul wrote Romans 13, when Peter wrote 1 Peter chapter 2, both of these were written under conditions of disobedience. And they said obey, submit. So are they hypocrites? They were told to stop preaching. They were told to stop meeting. They did not stop. In fact, they said, well, should we obey? It's better that we obey God rather than man. Were they respectful and honorable? Absolutely. It's not an either or. And so, again, answering for us, why are we open? You know, Hebrews says don't abandon don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together because you need to encourage each other, especially as the day is approaching. Well, man, we're closer than we were last week. So it's more important than it was last week that we continue to gather. And you say, well, that's one scripture. That's true. We could go to many scriptures that talk about us encouraging one another. And you know, um, Paul, he, he longed to see the people he was writing a letter to now, we, he believed that the letter would have benefit to them as they read it. So that doesn't mean that you couldn't, you know, just listen, stay at home, listen to the sermon online and not receive benefit. But Paul said, I long to come to you so that I may complete what is missing in your faith face to face. Because there's something that happens face to face that does not happen when it's over the internet. And so it's important we understand the value of gathering together. You know, people all over the world die for the privilege of coming together. So we're not going to look out and see a, a flu bug and run away and oh, give up the chance of getting together. You know, people for thousands of years have risked their lives to meet. And the chance of dying from coronavirus is so small, so small. It's nothing like the believers in China and Iran that are gathering together this morning. So, in this house, we're going to continue to lay hands on the sick. If you don't want someone to hug you, that's, that's okay. I'm not criticizing you. 
I'm not going to make the first move to hug any of you. You are all welcome to hug me. Just don't do it at the same time. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, one after the other. Because there's no sickness, no virus, no disease that you have that can get on me. Okay? And so, we're going to continue to, like Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So is it possible to uh, not follow their suggestions in the government and still remain honorable and respectful? Yes, absolutely, and that's my heart. Now, what if they just straight up made the law that we're not supposed to meet? Nothing changes for me. I'm so... You know, I do not believe that our government is trying to muffle the gospel. No. I don't believe that. However, if I yield to their fear-based natural thinking, the gospel will be muffled. That's not what they're trying to do, though. And we recognize that. Now, I'll say this too. None of you are required to be here. I told, I told our service teams, I told our cabinet, I said, nobody's required to be here. Everyone that's here is going to be here on their own, just like any other Sunday. Nobody's forcing you to come. So, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. That's, it's really simple. Some say, well, you just don't understand the severity of the situation. Possibly. Uh, that's possible. In fact, I think they're rather over-dramatizing it. But that has nothing to do with my decision. I may completely misunderstand the situation, but let me be real clear about where I'm at. Even if the chance of catching the coronavirus was 99%, and everybody that caught it died 100% of the time, even if it was that severe, I would be here and the doors would be open. Now, you may not be here, I don't know, but I would be here to minister to those who want to be ministered to. I would not criticize you if you were not here. I just know that what I'm called to do, to be salt and light, to be on a hill, to be available, to lay hands on the sick, and I believe Psalms 91 is true, that He'll protect us as we obey and walk with Him. Well, what if He doesn't? Another question. What if we catch the corona and die? That just sounds funny, catch the corona. What if you catch a sickness and die because you didn't social distance and go hide in the house? Exactly. Yay, I went home, I guess. And you could go home shouting, you could go home in victory because I went doing the work of the kingdom. I did not cower in fear, Lord, but I went out to be the salt and light you told me to be. And glory, hallelujah, I'm here with you now. They did not love their lives unto the death. You know, it, during worship, uh, like maybe in the first song, um, I felt like the Lord told me we should read Revelations 12. And then Karen got up and read Revelations 12. And um, it says, They conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives in the face of death. So, what is this saying? We love something more than our lives. We're not being ignorant or stupid. We know there's risk involved. But we also know who keeps us. We also know our, our destiny. We also know where our home is. And so no matter what would happen, we're either going to come out victorious in the earth or we're going to come out upgraded in heaven. Because you lost your life for the sake of the gospel. And if you lose your life for the sake of the gospel, did you know that you have a better resurrection? So either way, you win.
Now, I believe that this is a coronavirus-free zone. And that if someone with coronavirus comes in here, it falls off at the parking lot. Okay, back to Luke. We've had you go to Luke three times. Maybe we'll read it this time. Beginning of the chapter. Verse 1, chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others. Now, he'd already sent out the 12 to go heal the sick and preach the gospel. Now, he gets 70 more. And so, we're at a total of 82 he's sending. So, 70 others, he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Can we certainly say that? Yes, the harvest is abundant. Therefore, here's their instruction. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So that's our instruction. Lord, send workers to the people in in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Lord, send workers to Pennsylvania and to the United States. Lord, send workers to all across the world. That's our prayer. But it's just hysterical to me that as soon as they pray this, the very next verse, he gives them their marching orders. You know, if you're going to pray something, you better be ready to do it and be the answer to the prayer. Lord, send workers to that person. And the Lord says, go. So verse 3, he says, now go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. I was just waiting for someone to say that. Verse 4, don't carry a money bag, traveling bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. He's teaching them dependence upon the Father. It's not that there's anything wrong with money bags or traveling bags or sandals or talking to people along the road. He's teaching them dependence upon the Father. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this household. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, did you know you carry peace? I want you to try something. When someone needs peace, instead of saying, Father, give them peace, say, I give you peace. Because you carry peace. The Prince of Peace lives on the inside of you. You carry peace. I give you peace. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him, but if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Do not be moving from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. Verse 9, heal the sick who are there. He didn't say quarantine or social distance. Completely the opposite. You know, Jesus touched contagious people. They had a social distancing program in, the old, in Jesus' time. And if you broke the rules of that social distancing program, you got stoned. Those were the rules. So I'm grateful that our society today is a little more kind than that. And that we don't have a bunch of people out in the parking lot with stones when we leave the building here for violating you know, their wishes of ten. <clears throat> but then there was some severe consequences for it. And Jesus would just allow them to come right up to him. He even went into the, to the pool of Bethsaida. The whole area would have been unclean. He went into the unclean area and healed. So he, his command to them is heal the sick, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. When you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we are wiping off as a witness against you even the dust of your town that clings to our feet. Know this for certain. The kingdom of God has come near. I tell you on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. 
But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. Whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. So they went out and did what they were told as they were instructed. And the next verse says, verse 17, The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They seem to be incredulous at this. Even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a lightning flash. What is he saying here? Why, why does he bring this up? He's going, man, the top dog in that whole realm. I watched the impossible happen and him fall right out of heaven hard and fast. Kabam. I saw it happen. Their top guy has been dethroned and defanged. Dearmed, that's right. So, de-virused. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from... In other words, why are you surprised at this? It comes from heaven, this authority that you have. I watched Satan fall from heaven like a lightning flash. Now verse 19 is where I wanted to get. Look, I have given you the authority. Everyone say authority. authority. I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Okay, now it's important to understand. He's just They're talking about demons and devils, right? That's the context. So now he's referring to demons and devils as snakes and scorpions. He's not saying go out and look for a rattlesnake den and walk through there. In Mark 16 where we read they're going to pick up snakes and if they drink anything deadly, it will never harm them. He's not talking about testing that. He's talking about you could go into the viper's den. You could go into the poisonous place. You could go into, walk across the snakes and scorpions for the sake of the gospel. You understand? The demonic spirits, the dangers that are there. The devils that would want to hurt you. He says, verse 19, Look, I have given you the authority to trample. Not gingerly skip around. Avoid that spot. I mean, they coughed. Let's step away a little further. I was in line at the coffee shop. And leave a little... <coughs> the lady in front of him. I don't know if she was just, you know, anticipating coffee that much or if it was me she was trying to get away from, but it was funny. You can clear a line out real fast, you know. I didn't do that. I have given you the authority to trample on, not skirt around, but trample on snakes and scorpions and over all, someone say all, all. over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will ever harm you. This is said in the context of going out for the sake of the gospel. This is said in the context of leaving the safety of your home and going out for the sake of the gospel. And he's saying, look, you have the authority and all the power of the devil can, cannot harm you. It is time that we to, together as Church of the Word International grab this thing and say, yes, that is me. Yes, nothing will ever harm me. This is one of my favorite Bible verses. This is the Bible verse that I stand on when I travel overseas into dangerous areas. Nothing shall by any means harm me. Nothing shall by any means harm me. I just say that often. Nothing shall by any means harm me because at your word, Lord, I go. For the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the gospel. It is almost time to close. I want to 
remind you of a couple scriptures before we do that. One of the things that you can do is speak the word over yourself. Don't just say it as in, I want it to be this way. Declare it as in your present tense reality. The second thing that you can do is praise the Lord. There is stronghold in your praise. You, as you lift up the Father, as you lift up Jesus to see Him glad, there's strong strength in that. And in, in Psalms 8 verse 12, it says, Out of the mouth of the infants and nursing babies, you have established strength on the account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and vengeful foe. So there is strength in that. Matthew translated that verse a little bit, or Jesus, I'm sorry, translated that verse worded a little differently. He took that verse and he quotes it to the people that were standing around listening to the children at the temple. And he said to them, he said, uh, do you hear what these people are saying? He said, yes, haven't you ever read from the mouths of infants and nursing babies? You have created praise. In Psalms, it says what was coming out of their mouth is strength. So we know in praise is strength. In praise of the Father, there is strength in that place. In Psalms 100 and last one. I think, no, second to last one. That one. 145 is what I'd like to say. We'll find out momentarily. Psalms 149. It says, hallelujah. It means praise ye the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel celebrate its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. That's us. Let them praise His name with dancing to make, and make music to Him with tambourine and lyre. Those are stringed instruments. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly celebrate. The word means jump for joy. Let the godly jump for joy in triumphal glory. Let them shout for joy on their beds. Now listen, he's saying all this and now he begins to to give the why. He said, do this. Here's what's going to happen. Let the exaltation of God be in their mouths, a two-edged sword in their hands. The exaltation of God in your mouth is a two-edged sword for you. The exaltation and praise of the Father is your weapon. He says it's a two-edged sword in their hands, inflicting vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people to bind their kings with chains and their dignitaries with iron shackles to carry out the judgment decreed against them. This honor is for all His godly people. Hallelujah. Jesus said all the Psalms need to be fulfilled. This is one of them. This honor is for His people. And so, the praise in your mouth to the Father brings liberty, brings strength, brings breakthrough. It brings victory and it brings deliverance. It is, it is the elevator, so to speak, that brings the Lord to the scene. Praise goes up, Father comes down. In Second Chronicles... One of the Chronicles. In chapter 20, or one of the chapters. In verse 22, or one of the verses. It talks about how the Israelites went out to battle. And they were completely outnumbered. They didn't have a prayer. Have you ever heard that expression? It's a lie. Because we have a prayer. In the natural, they looked doomed. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Hey, Send out the worshipers out front. And they're just going to sing and worship the Lord and watch what happens. The Lord's going to fight this battle for you. Yeah. And so they said, okay. And they went out and they sang and worshiped. 
Man, these armies that had arrayed against them fell on each other and destroyed each other, chased each other off, and they spent three days loading up the camels and the wagons and hauling everything back home. Nothing but the spoils. So right now, in this time and in this season, I'm telling you, right now, it's time to start praising because loading the camels and the wagons is getting ready to happen. As we obey the Lord, as we walk in His victory, there is a transfer of things happening right now. And, you know, we're not going to be shaken. Everything may be shaking. We're not going to be shaken because we're on the rock that is unshakable. So stand with me and let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your everlasting truth. That your promises are faithful, that you've never let one slip or slide or forgotten any of them. And Father, we lift up your promises in the mighty name of Jesus to you. Father, we expect your fulfillment in this day and hour of your promises concerning us. Of your direction to us to go and to be the salt and light. Father, we look to you and the authority that you have given to us. We, we long, Father, to see you break forth in the earth. Lord, that your body would expand and grow, that the kingdom of heaven will grow upon the earth, that your will in heaven that is being done is also being done upon the earth through your hands and feet, through us, your ambassadors. Father, we'll go, we'll be obedient. We walk in your divine protection. No sickness, no, no, no virus will have any hold on us because, Father, your promises are keeping us. We stay in your word, in your spirit, in your truth, in your promises. Everyone in this house today and everyone listening by internet, I break every spirit of fear that has come against you and I release peace upon you in the name of Jesus Christ. I release eyes to see the season, a heart and mind to understand the time that we live in. And Lord, I ask you for great boldness upon us in this day and time in this hour. A boldness that causes us to rise up like never before. A boldness that you put us here for such a time as this, Lord, that we answer with a resounding yes, that we see Jesus lifted and glorified. Lord, we look to you with confident expectation of glory in this time, in this season. Lord, I ask you for supernatural, divine um, a provision of finances. A supernatural provision of finances in this house upon the people, Lord, that they could be your instrument, that they could be the one you use to bless those around them, their friends, their neighbors, their family. Lord, we align ourselves with your purpose in this hour. Lead us, speak to us, we yield to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We will live, we will not die. We will declare the works of the Lord and do them to fulfillment. Someone say amen to that. Alright, one way we love God is by loving one another, by honoring the Lord, and walking in faithful love. Glory! Glory! Well, he's getting our attention, isn't he? Good morning on this beautiful day the Lord has made. You born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-smashing, children of the Most High God. That's who and what you are here today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'd like to encourage you. 
I don't think I have to encourage you today. You're here today. You are here today. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Your tongue is a weapon for the Lord. It produces life. It pushes back the force of the enemy, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And he has led forth the right way that they may go. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with gladness. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Glory to God. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. We are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. Right here, right now, in this moment of history, everything is shifting. But one thing that never changes is the Word of God. It's forever settled. Cultures don't change it. Events don't change it. Generations don't change it. God's word is a solid plumb line, an anchor to our soul. And today he says, praise me for it. So let's all worship the Lord together as family. Amen. because we are all in the spirit together, aren't we? But you're a testimony to the worth and the word of God. You belong to him. And as we trust him with all our heart, we can, we can live a life of praise and worship in the middle of the storm. Glory to God, because he, there might be a promise, but he is our promise. There might be a problem, but he's our promise. And as you keep your eyes on him, he's the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. So turn to your neighbor, your born-again born brother and sister in the Lord, and say, I love that faith that looks so good on you. Our God is great. Our God is strong, God, you are higher than any Our God is healer. Good morning, church family. 
beautiful day outside. Love is in the air. Spring is in the air. Well, we'd like to welcome you to church this morning, to CWI. So if you're here for the very first time, we'd like to welcome our guests. If you're here for the first time, raise your hand real high and we'll welcome you. We've got a few right here in the front row. Let's give them a hand. Good to have you with us. First time you're a guest, next time you're family. So, All right, well, let's um, prepare to return our tithe to the Lord this morning. And as we do that, let's acknowledge him as our source. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe he is your provider? See, I'm going to read to you some scriptures out of um, Psalm 62. And you might wonder, what does this have to do with offering time? Or why am I reading this now? Because it's all about uh, trusting God and recognizing him as our source. But that's something that has to be just really foundational on the inside. It is really crucial that you know that he's the source. He's the source. And, you know, when bad things happen, when things come, it's a revealer of what do I really believe? You know, when seemingly overnight your healthy child is given a diagnosis that the doctors say is incurable, that's the test. You know, it's easy, to, it's easy to get up in church and say, the Lord's my healer, the Lord's my provider, the Lord's my source. But when seemingly overnight your secure and stable job seems to have vanished, now what do I say I believe? See, this is why we, we need to have it on the inside strong. I mean, good times, bad times, the Lord is my source. And aren't you glad you're not on your own? It, it, was, it was never up to you or all on your shoulders in the good times either, right? Right? Or was it? What do you believe? See, see the pressure, when the pressure is on, the test is on. All right, so Psalms 62. Yet, when God is, is your source, that affects your pocketbook, Right? And when you go to, um, it affects what you do. If, if the Lord is not your source, you know, you may, you may be like, oh, I don't know, i got to make this stretch. I gotta make... But this is our declaration. No, you, I partner with the Lord. I act on his word. And Lord, I trust you to do your part. Psalm 62, verse 5 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. You know, sometimes you just need to get quiet. You just need to shut it all out. Get quiet, get before the Lord, says, for my hope is from him. So you get quiet before the Lord when everything around you seems to unravel. He's going to renew your hope. He's going to revive the hope. He alone, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. When I think of fortress, I think of six foot thick walls, 100 feet tall, Everything, you know, like impenetrable. My fortress. He is my fortress. I will n- shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. So that means the good times. That means the bad times. Like I said, you know, well, what, who were you trusting in when everything was great? And everything was in the good times. It is super important to make sure I'm aligned with his, that, and, and get my, my um, head on straight, that he's my source and it's not up to me. 
Because then when the bad times come, that's going to reveal it. That's, that's going to bring it out. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. <clears throat> in the balances, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. And if you look up this definition, this steadfast love um, means faithfulness, goodness, kindness. Wherever you see steadfast love, faithfulness, goodness, kindness. This is the Lord's heart towards you. For you will render to a man according to his work. So we're not trusting our money. We're not trusting the economy. We're not trusting our job, your boss, your abilities. Because all of that can just go poof. Right? All right. So what does he promise to you? What does he promise to you in regards to finances? What does he promise to you in regards to tithing? What has he promised you in regards to seeking first his kingdom and honoring him? So I want you to, on the inside, as you return the tithe to the Lord this morning, just get it settled on the inside. Some verses, some scriptures, some, some truth, some solid rock. All right? And we're going to return our tithe to the Lord, and we're going to trust him with what he said he would do for us. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful to be your kids this morning. We're just so grateful for your word. Lord, we know you are the source. We know you are the provider. And we trust you. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust you, that you are dependable. When everything around us is shifting sand, you, Lord, are not. We thank you. We thank you. Lord, I know this moment in history did not take you by surprise. And that you knew what would happen, the things that have happened, you knew it all along. So, Lord, I put you in remembrance of your word. I put you in remembrance that you've said that for the tither, that the devourer is rebuked. And, Lord, I call increase, I call income to everyone in this house who has lost income, who is not sure about the way things are shaping up for next week or the week beyond, Lord, I call increase and income and provision in the name of Jesus. I thank you that every bill is paid. I thank you do this supernaturally, not something that we necessarily can see in the, in the natural, but Lord, that it's from you. And you keep your word. And Lord, we trust you. Our eye is on you and you alone. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Wanted to uh, cover two more announcements. And um, then we'll get right into all the good things that the Lord would have me bring to you this morning. So we, some of you probably know who Threshold Church is. And uh, they have been meeting uh, in a building, a school building of some sort, I believe is the way on Penn Manor. And um, because of the whole closures of things, the school's been closed down and so they have no place to meet. They had actually joined uh, and met for one weekend at another church, but then after last Sunday, that church closed its doors. 
And so they were needing a place to meet, and they wanted to know if they could use our building Sunday night. And so, of course, we were uh, honored to be able to help them and to help the body of Christ. So they're going to, until this thing goes away, they're going to be meeting here, um, I think from 4 to, I'm not sure, 4 to 7 or 4 to 6, something like that, on a Sunday evening here in the building. So um, the place is just full of churches. Ethiopian Church of the Word, Threshold Church, and I'm excited about it. That's right. And uh, it's such a privilege to be able to help, help others that are in need of a place to, uh, to meet. Also, I wanted to um, remind you that we do have, uh, alms offerings are always available and if you would like to give into our church alms fund, just put it into the offering and um, we will make sure that it gets distributed to those. And if any of you here are out of work or any of those things, don't go hungry. Don't live in a cold house without heat. Um, talk to us. Talk to each other. We're going to not only believe God with each other, but we're not going to let each other go without. We're going to be the body of Christ. We're going to help each other, and we're going to make it through. It doesn't matter how bad it gets outside. We're connected to a divine source that isn't going to let us down, and and we're going to share with each other. So don't don't disengage your faith because I have a fallback plan. No, you may be the fallback plan for somebody else, God's rescue plan, right? So uh, let's, let's stay hooked up with the Lord together in faith and press forward.